You are listening to the Mick and Mac GAA Football Podcast. Okay, hello and welcome back to the Mick and Mac GAA Football Podcast. Mac, how are you doing? All good, bud. Uh, weather's a bit gloomy today, so thank God we've Mick here to cheer us up a bit. Absolutely. Delighted to be joined by uh, Kurt Long, the footballer, Mickey Quinn. What's the crack? All is good, man. Thanks very much for having me. No, delighted to have you on. Um, so, you're a teacher, am I right in saying? Yeah, P yeah. and Matt's teacher in, in Longford now at home. So, um, I'm lucky enough, stationed close to home, so didn't stray too far. <laughs> so, how's that going for you at the moment? Are you, Lee, have you yeah, kind of, I'm lucky enough, I don't have a leaving cert group, so um, pressure's off with that. Um, but just out from school now at the moment, I was in doing a few bits and pieces, so... Um, there's lots of teachers trying to finish off things with the leaving cert and, and get that up and running. But um, yeah, I've lucky enough been kept going with other bits and pieces. Yeah, that's all you can do at the moment, I suppose, keeping yourself busy. Um, I suppose, Mickey, the, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. The GEA has set out the roadmap for returning to football. Uh, clubs are going to be back, hopefully playing matches end of July and into county by October. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, it's, uh, when I got the message or the message went, went up on the group whether it was a county group or club group last week and I was like I, I wasn't expecting it and I wasn't expecting to be nearly disappointed in a way because I was like jeez I'm getting used to this now um, just the big thing I find probably from the last 12-13 weeks was training whenever suited you rather than okay I'm going training Monday, Wednesday, Friday game Sunday like you're in that mindset that your Wednesday night is gone, your Friday night's gone, mm. whole Sunday gone to a game. Um, but being able to schedule training when suits you, um, that's something that I, I've been loving. Um, even this morning, get up, go for a run this morning, maybe do a gym session later on today, and it suits you rather than knowing that you have to be somewhere and with a group at whatever time. Like That kind of bit of freedom. I think, um, I have a feeling things will change, whether it be county and club, that going to be more ownership on players and um, players are smart enough to know what they need to be doing and and getting it done and I think that will change like this idea of oh, group sessions five six times a week or whatever you hear different stories of who's doing what training and that but coming together to actually do a lot of those sessions aren't really viable um, and especially I think that's what it showed what I've realized from it that you know if a county session now maybe getting ready to go for a county training session, planning, let's say we're training in Dublin on a, on a Wednesday night, you're leaving at five and you're not getting home till 11. So you're talking a full-on six hours there, four hours sometimes. Um, and now you can do it in your own time, an hour and a half, you're home, people have families and other bits and pieces going on. But when you're sacrificing that much time, it makes you realize you know is, is it the most economical way of doing things and even for a mental point of view that you're actually you're not being burnt out mm. and I suppose you were just talking there about over the last few weeks taking ownership of your training um, have you enjoyed the downtime have you maybe taken didn't take your foot off the pedal a little bit as well yeah probably uh, downtime it, it's funny like if you ask herself she'd probably say she's you're training more than you would have been in, in one sense, but you're not gone for as long kind of thing. Um, like the one thing I would have found um, is getting a training partner and training with someone that can push you. Um, and I'm lucky enough, um, a brother-in-law lives down the road here and myself and himself, he's finished up now with two cruciate ligaments and bits and pieces, but he's still a troop to go running and stuff like that. So, we ended up banging out loads of different sessions together, um, 800 meter runs, 400s, 200s, different things. And uh, it was brilliant to have someone like that uh, to, to train with. And the downtime, the downtime was probably doing the training in the morning so that you actually have your evenings free. And that's what I really enjoyed. Um, like it's funny too, when you, when you go back training and you probably see it yourself when you train with uh, uh, club or county on a, a Sunday morning it doesn't suit some lads to train first thing in the morning it takes a while now to, to get well woken up whether it be from the Saturday night 
or uh, just not mourning people, but I'm probably a morning person and enjoy it. Um, you see at the moment, I find it's like, oh, geez, if I don't go first thing in the morning, it's like, ah, I'll push it back an hour. I'll do it in the afternoon. I'll do it in the evening. Yeah, yeah. And, ah, maybe I'll leave it till tomorrow. Um, whereas it's nice, there's a nice feeling to, to get it done first thing in the morning and then you have the rest of the day to go about it and you're almost like in bonus territory then and after that. Good stuff, Mickey, good stuff. And um, so tell us about your club, Mick. Uh, when did you get going then? With training-wise or from underage? Underage, yeah. Yeah, um, I probably, you know, I'm at August, my club, um, so, geez, I've been in, with under 10s, uh, back from under 10s, and you're in 10s, 12s, the whole way up, and probably would have been playing two, three age groups ahead of myself um, after under 12, um, like and different bits and pieces. It was one of the that was for me, it, just the way it, it panned out. Played a little bit of basketball. Um, early on um, and then it would have been focusing on that and up down in Limerick was at that for probably there was two years done two years and then rest from that there was a bit of an interest in talk of different clubs like those things scouts here and such and such and they're interested and blah blah but that never really came to fruition I ended up um, playing under 15 and under 17 with Bohemians um, and traveling up for training and that for for them. So mom and dad used to bring us up. There's another guy from Longford and we went training up up with Bohemians uh, on a Wednesday night and games were on a Sunday. So that was when we got, got into the soccer and gave me a taste for it. Um, but Gaelic-wise... And like I was always playing all the different squads and training away um, with, with my club and probably involved in different coaching capacities now, probably with the teaching background that's trying to help out in, in different shapes and forms. Um, but you end up probably taking on more than you can actually chew. And you obviously mentioned the football and the soccer there. So which did you prefer growing up? Yeah, that was, it's funny, I always found that you go through phases that you'd love the soccer for a while and then you'd fall out of love a little bit and you'd love the Gaelic and then different bits and pieces, you're like, oh, there's always drama or something, whether it be soccer or Gaelic or bits and pieces and kind of drift from the other, like, I loved being able to do both um, because it just keeps you fresh and a different challenge um, and that's something that, that I really enjoyed from, from playing the different sports that being challenged in different ways and it forces you to probably adapt and change your game and that's probably something that I probably pride myself on um, and I think it's probably one of my strengths and probably in, in one way it's it's been a bit of a weakness to um, being able to adapt and, and change my game. Like when I first, um, before I headed over to Australia, I was always a full forward, never played anywhere else full forward, centre forward were my positions um, and that was it. I went to Australia and three years there, came back and because I was fit, um, I became an outfield player uh, or you, you almost associate outfield middle third players as being the fittest um, and I was playing in the half-back position um, within the, the AFL and uh, Glenn Ryan was over Lanford at the time and he stuck me in at centre back. I think that's where Longford needed someone at that stage, or it, it was probably a, a suitable fit for me. I ended up slotting in at centre back, and since then it's been centre back, midfield, half forward, and I'm just hoping to retire full forward at some <laughs> stage. <laughs> Mickey, yeah, uh, I, I suppose I'm just asking about the current Longford panel at the moment. I mean, Cork Davis maybe dealt a blow uh, with a lot of players opting out just at the start of this year. But you went on to have, you've had a decent league campaign. I think you're seven points in third division three. Um, you must that must be pleasing anyway. Like it was going so far. Yeah, look, it seems like a long time ago now. Um, but we probably we bounced back really well this year. Um, 
like we had a really good year with Dennis Connerton um, last year, the year before, where we really pushed for a promotion and we just missed out um, on promotion that year. But we had a really good good year and a strong panel. And it's funny, the likes of, of Longford and counties in a similar position, it's very hard to sustain sustain that level year in year out um, and have that same same squad together because you, you probably it does come in, in cycles whether you know if there's a manager and a team in place backroom team in place that maybe two or three years you put in a, an effort for that and I suppose when the old management finished up um, probably a lot of players took that as an opportunity to to, to step back and maybe that might have put things on hold in their lives for, for a while and it was an opportunity for them to step away um, and that's kind of what happened. Uh, we ended up losing nine or ten players that year and then this year we got kind of more guys back but we probably lost a few as well. Um, but things were going well and we probably, looking back on it, we probably, realistically, we looked like we're out of the hunt. We were out um, Two tough games left against Derry and Cork, and we had lost to Down. And who was the other team that was ahead? We lost to Down, and you were kind of hoping they had looked like they had an easier run in home. Um, but you were always hopeful. But um, ifs and buts now at this stage. Yeah, and it's it's a funny one, I suppose. Um, I, I think I read that you you were saying you're kind of in favour of a tier two championship. Is that right? Yeah, I kind of was and I drifted from one to the other. It was very much at the beginning when I saw a different side how it might just mean that the likes of Division 3 4 counties kind of might fall by the wayside um, and might be harder with a system like that. Look, only time will tell. I do think something needed to change. The fear and change and um, structure-wise, when it does change, um, that it's left and let go too long. And when it goes too long and it's very hard to change back, or if the original change isn't working, they'll almost feel that would stick with it a bit longer. And then where, where does the likes of Lanford football end up then? When you might do five years could do 10 years of uh, development backwards, like. Yeah, and I was just asking, because obviously if you're in, in Division 3 and you're, you're probably pushing for promotion, uh, and then obviously if you get promoted, you're going in probably the top tier championship, would you nearly rather be in the Tier 2 where you could win silverware or obviously challenge against the better teams in the Tier 1, but maybe not have a chance of winning much? Yeah, like, I would have been very much thinking... Look, it would be nice to finish, have your career and say that we, we were in a final or we, we won that. Um, whatever competition it was, um, you know, rather than this, or oh, remember the time we came close with, uh, with Dublin or Monaghan or Kerry, or that remember the time we, we, we played them and it was a great day, or, or hoping for an upset in the qualifiers. Um, like, I can see the benefits in both. Um, like, you need to play better teams to improve. Um, but then at the same time, there is an awful lot to be said for that winning mentality coming from winning the competition and building on that the following year. I think that was the probably thing that I find difficult, that there's a massive highs. We probably would be known as the big upsets in, in the qualifiers. And we get a massive high, let's say, this time of year, June, July, you play someone and you get a great result in the qualifiers. And you're on nine and then the next week you're out again and you lose and that's it. And you don't with those lads again until before you're back together again. And any bit of progression that's made with a big win like that is it's forgot about and it's gone. There's no building on that and development from it. Um, and that's where I find it difficult that you repeat that same process the next year and there's no real development for the likes of Longford that you're going back to square one, start from scratch, and then hopefully any bit of progress that you made with a result like that, it's gone again. So like 
I know no one, there's only one team that finishes the season with a win on, on All-Ireland final day, but at least that's in September and it's a shorter window and you have more games under your belt and you can for five, six months without actually playing at that level or, or learning from that. I found that side of things difficult. Whereas something like this year, seeing um, seeing the Burn Cup probably for ourselves this year, like we sat down and we said we're going to give that a lash and we're going to we're going to try and, and win it because we never actually since I've been involved we never actually treated it that way. And um, it was always like it's preparation for the league. We'll give game time to certain guys and we were never hitting the ground running. And you know we talked about trying to hit the ground running that whatever momentum we can get from the Burn Cup we'll keep it, we'll go for the win and we ended up winning it and looking back and now someone said it to me that uh, there's only four four counties have lifted the cup this year uh, from the four uh, pre-season competitions and that's something that you kind of look back on now it's like Jesus it was a, a good it was setting up to be a good year and I was talking to Mick off air about some of your giant killings in the past um, uh, Mickey like can you remember some of the big games you bet the big teams in, in the qualifier games? Yeah, like I still go back. Like we've seen to a lot of northern teams that we've we've ended up getting results against, um, our big wins. Uh, remember going up to Derry under Jack Sheedy, and that was a big one for us. And down went to extra time, uh, got across. Uh, across the line against them after extra time, a game that we nearly had sewn up. We threw it away or nearly lost it twice or three times um, in normal time and extra time. Uh, and then the Monaghan one is probably the one that stands out the biggest. Um, you know, that was one that just... Look, at it's funny. When, when, when you've nothing to lose, and maybe there is something to that, that when you are playing a team, like you've... You've nothing to lose, and you're solely focused on on that one game, and you're looking no further. Um, that maybe it's it's a mindset thing that needs to change with the likes of Lamford, um, that you can actually compete with these teams, but doing it on a consistent basis is the next level that you want to get to, uh, rather than these one-off results. And you know, let's say you beat the likes of Monaghan the week next week, you go out in your favourites and you lose that game. And I think that's probably what has, what has been the case uh, in the past and probably not having um, a strong enough squad that the following week, if you're after emptying the tank and being able to get back up, like I know we had a big win last year, the year before we played Cork, the last game of the qualifiers, we played Cork. I think we had put in such a massive effort in the game beforehand uh, the week before and probably a seven day turnaround and probably not a massively strong squad I'd looked at I think Colin O'Neill came off the bench and someone else came off the bench for Cork and I think he, he got one two or something like that in the space of five minutes and mm. like having that calibre of player um, is something that probably caught us in the end and see that modern game you're referencing Mickey I think that was down to Clonus wasn't it yeah, yeah. Like, what was the mentality like the week leading up to that game? Because like Monaghan can be quite good in the qualifiers. So, like, what was like the mindset? Yeah, look, we probably you've looked at these teams and never really, you never, I had never played against Monaghan. So we, but in saying that, you'd seen so much of them. They're such a, a strong team, and seeing them in Ulster semi-finals and finals, and even getting the All Ireland quarter-finals and the semi-final that you almost felt like you'd played against them because you'd seen them out, out on TV so much. Uh-huh. Um, so there was a fair understanding of the different players and what they could do. So we kind of, we had a, a plan in place defensively and then you're just hoping for the best going forward. Like we had, we had a good forwards and a good firepower as well. So um, it's funny too, like there's days, you look back on that and I think, I think we looked at some of the stats after that game and like we could have been shooting off a, a 92% efficiency of, of shooting, which like when they go over, it's great. Like another day, if you're working off 60%, you lose that game by five points easily or, or more and, and, and you're not comfortable. And the likes, I think Monaghan, 
they were probably shooting outside their their scoring range and the probably their shooting percentage was a lot lower uh, that day probably the way we set up um, and I suppose it that's something that you'd probably learn from a lot more if we had to get more games after that that okay this actually works by setting up the, this defensive structure and if we going forward if we don't have such and such taking crazy shots from outside the 45 or whatever and, and being smart and um, it did make you understand that and realize that these top teams that when you're playing them you have to make it count um, and when you get a chance and lucky on the day a lot of those shots went over and there were some great scores that day but another day they don't and you're not you're not in with a chance to win well, I tell you what, Mickey, I hope there's a few Cavan lads listening to this podcast because we can never beat Mon in the championship. It's a disaster. <laughs> Big rivals, but I know I think like it's it's funny it's funny how it works. Um, like every team has like ourselves and Offaly have had massive battles the last five six years. Like you're going through, uh, played them in the Burn Cup, played them in the league, played them in championship, like. Before that, it was Wexford. I remember playing Wexford. I think it was, did we play them four times in one year? Five? We played them in the league, the league final, championship, draw of the championship. So four. And then the following year, we end up getting them in the championship too. So you end up, that's something that, it's great to be playing teams on a regular basis, but I think that much like you want to be playing different teams and, and that and that's another another area in itself and uh, you mentioned something Mickey just about having like the panel maybe Longford's panel not being the strongest and in terms of like players leaving the panel as well also and um, is county football maybe losing its appeal for maybe counties in Longford obviously they see the workload you might have to put in and the results might not be there definitely um, and I suppose like to make it appealing for lads is, is is the big thing like you know if you turn around like I'd, I'd always say to myself like when I, when I finish football um, I want to finish and, and be able to say that I enjoyed it and got something out of it and whether it made you a better person or you took lessons from it and learned from it and met different people and be able to say Jesus I really enjoyed that but that's something that I'll, I'll always remember Um but you do meet the people that are, you know, that probably a chip on their shoulder, whether it be club or county, when they play that. It's like, why did I give all that time to to the club? Because such and such done this or said this to me. And, you know, I, I always say, I don't want to end up like that, that whatever you can get out of it, get out of it. And, and knowing what that is, is, is the hardest point. Like, I think you probably end up falling into the trap of turning up the train and turning up to play. And then if you ask someone, so why do you play? That's the why. I just play and that's it. Like, and that's, what, that's the biggest thing. Like, and especially this time makes you realise that. Like, I think this time, um, these last few weeks that we're after putting in, will make people realise or understand why they're playing it or why they're, why they're playing it and why they shouldn't be playing it. And, you know, if it makes you happy and you love getting out with the lads and... You're, you're enjoying your football, brilliant. But if you're coming home from training and you're bickering and you're giving out about such and such or something's not going well and it's actually affecting you um, and even you're, you're sacrificing a lot of your, your time with family and friends, you know, you'd have to question, is this for me? And I think that's something that people realise more than what I was saying to you about the training side of things. Club and counties are getting... There's going to be a threshold. You can only get so far, and there's going to be a cutoff point. And at the moment, when you hear the different stories about what counties have been doing training wise and off six days a week, or even clubs, the way clubs have gone really professional, it can only go so far until there's a breaking point. Um, and the breaking point is probably it's people at the end of the day because when you're in the system, you're in it, and when you walk away and you're finished, you're you're forgotten about very quickly. Um, I see it in my own club or my own county that um, like once someone finishes like it, you don't mean it to be that way but you know, you're not in that circle like there's people that you would have played football with for five, six years at county level and when they drop off or they're gone from the squad or retire 
you want to you're friends with them and you want to stay in contact but if you're going training three or four evenings a week very hard to meet up with these people when you when you're not in the same circles and so that's the thing it's probably knowing what your why why you play football and, and why you're going to train and um, on a Sunday morning when you could be doing something else and spending more time and time and with family and friends and I think for most people to to understand that and realize that you know it'll help you keep playing for longer and maybe enjoy your football more or walk away and say Do you know what I can get the same thing by going out for a run in my own time uh, going for a cycle with friends or going golfing or whatever it is and finding that and um, because I think I, I love it I love the competitive side of things um, and given that you end up doing is a competition whether at the moment it's your it's runs you're trying to do runs and whatever time there'll be 800 400 shorter stuff and you're trying to have that competitive nature and that's something that i think maybe it's spread into me from probably the way i've gone through with australia and that that everything was a competition um, and that you have to be competitive with everything that you do in order to succeed and 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 being consistent at it um, and i think that's something for me and I enjoy it because my family and friends enjoy going to games and that, um, and that's that's my why. Um, so I think knowing what your why is to to play these play and give up all that time, um, it makes it a lot easier to understand and, and that. That's a really way, good way of putting it. Um, and I suppose training then, what would be a traditional week for you in the in the middle of summer now, playing for Longford? What sort of regime would you be under yeah um <laughs> it's funny too yeah uh, it's like a, a massive a massive voodoo or massive lies that oh no they're not doing much you're not doing like <laughs> it's so secret that's what i find it, it bugs me with with the ga and with maybe it's an irish thing or a sports side of things that everything's so oh what what's the secret what, what are you doing what are you having for breakfast like and that's probably something that it's nice to give an insight into what what you are actually doing. Like there's a lot of the work is done. Like I probably went through phases where I ended up doing way too much um, before games, and I'm probably less is more now. Especially probably tipping on that you're trying to mind yourself a lot more. Um, like you hear guys doing all oh, foam rolling uh, every day, every morning, this kind of stuff, and like I think probably a, a traditional week in the summer so usually it's the way it probably works it's like a 10 day lead into to a game or even a seven day so your last session of a of a saturday or sunday leading into a championship game you you probably play maybe 30 or 40 minutes of a, an in-house game so big thing recover after that of a sunday and then monday probably take monday's a rest day tuesday might do a light gym session um, and depends on how I was feeling. Um, I'd like to try, when the weather is good and that, I used to try and get out for a, a bit of a kicking session. So normal training on a Wednesday and then another training session on a Friday together. But that day off, that Tuesday or Thursday, I'd try and get out with a local guy, Speedy McCormick there for my club, um, just he was a selector with with Claude the last number of years and uh, just massive into football and I go for a one on one kicking session with him. Um, haven't done it now in a while and because I'm a defender, I don't need to do it that much. It's funny, I haven't picked up a ball that much at all. I end up going the complete athletic side of things um, with this break, but like it's something that's getting out and going for a kick um i think we we probably neglect um that side of things um more so get get fit and the gym and foam roll and recovery sessions like when guarantee when we go back playing that hamstrings quads probably quads is going to be a big one that guys are going to be pulling because like you haven't kicked the ball as soon as these lads get down to a field it's going to be let rip and then it's like oh why am I after tearing my quad well, I haven't kicked the ball in three months like so there's a good chance like even keepers is going to be something and um, that repetition on, on keepers with kickouts but 
Yeah, it's a, it's an area I try and get answer your question in a long way. I'm rambling, um, but usually Wednesday, Friday would be your two main training days. Uh, I probably throw in. I try get to an ice bath twice uh, that week, and I throw in. Uh, I used to always enjoy going out the day before a game for a light kick. So I'd say a ten minute warm, ten twelve minute warm up. Um, so a few strides of the pitch, soling up and back, and then some movement drills and just dynamic warm-up, loosen up, and then 20 minutes on the clock um, of different bits and pieces. So some shots in around the D, a couple of 45s, a few shots on the run for goals and points, and then wrap up and head for an ice bath. And that'll be like 30, a 35-minute hit out and then into an ice bath and then recover. I found it's probably what we done in Australia. It was like a captain's run, um, and it was pretty much like that the day before a game. Probably found myself now that it's probably too much before the day before a game. So if I can get that done two days before and take a complete rest in, uh, it suits suits better. Um, it's probably what your body gets used to. Um, sometimes sitting around the, the whole day before a game, it's 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 not good for you at all. You start to seize up. So, um, and then you, you get superstitious and see what works with you. If, you know, played a great game that time. This is what I done. And you get very caught up on that too. And so, yeah, well, not really, but you know, if you talk to Kate there and she's like, oh, stay out of your way. The morning games or early games, because when she's around the house with me, I just touchy, edgy, everything, bags packed the night before, like looking at my watch and, you know, I need to eat in 15 minutes time. Jesus, I get 15 minutes too late. I'm under pressure. And Jesus, I need to get to go to the toilet here. And you're just real OCD shit. And you're like, why the fuck do I do this to myself? <laughs> like it got to the stage where you're not actually enjoying your games. Like I went through a phase where I was like, Jesus, I got sick now that last game with nerves and sick there's two games in a row and convince yourself Jesus do I need to get sick to play a good game like what am I doing here like this isn't fucking this isn't normal like why am I working myself up to the hilt um, for that but I suppose it's it's that trying to fight or flight that you you're ready to go Um, and that was probably a stage I think I've I've gone well past that now that um, the nerves and that that built up tension is, is kind of like trying to embrace it rather than uh, than forcing it. Yeah, yeah. And listening to you, Mickey, like I think the modern game, I think you really need to love it to kind of keep keep the hunger for it. Like, do you, have you found over the years, like you're in such tough provincial air, like with uh, Dublin and all, like like have you ever like lost interest or fell out of love with the game, or do you just adore it? Yeah, you do. You go through phases. Um, have you ever? I think you do. Um, like I think you go through phases. Like I remember, like going from county back into club is always a tricky one. And I found in previous years that, um, like I love playing for the club. I'm really looking forward to the way it's going to pan out this year. Fingers crossed that it's club first and, and not county. But, um, like I think players in general end up being scapegoats for whatever's happening. Like I found. Sometimes with county, when you go back to the club, it's like an excuse to do another pre-season. And you're coming off the back of pretty much a long season and you end up getting flogged and you're like, okay, the county lads are back. Let's do it, a run and test to see where we're at against them. And doing a whatever, 2K runner, 1K runner, doing a fitness test or a tough session, maybe the week after playing a, a, a full-on championship, inter-county championship game, you're like, why am I doing this? Like, geez, just sometimes I found when I maybe taking that block of maybe 10 days of rest or freshen myself up, whether you get away for a little bit of a holiday then um, to go back into the county season. I think that's, that's probably when I found in the past you might lose the love for it or the grow for it um, at that stage because you're, you're starting into a new session again. And you just mentally more so than than physically um but not really i think i enjoy the competitive side of things um 
you know, with, with lads at training or, or different games. But that would be the only time that that edge would kind of dwindle a bit. And say when like you're coming up against like say the dubs there and croaker there a couple of summers ago, like what was the mentality going into that kind of a game? Like you kinda of like ah sure, go up and have a bit of crack against these lads, or what do you think? Yeah, look it's I think we've played have I been involved in two or three games against Dublin in Croker? Um and look it's 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 tough. Like there's no point like the first 10, 15 minutes is the buzz is there and everything. But probably the way Dublin got gotten away from us, um, it just you know, it's it's the last place you want to be. Um like I don't know what the last game was it, twenty seven points. Um like the buzz building up to the game and like there's an interest in the game that it's like we're a division three team. We haven't had any interest in any of our games and now there's people interested in doing interviews and you know, cameras and different people and it's building to the game and that build up is, is part and parcel of it that you enjoy. But it's probably the last 20, 30 minutes of a game or even some, some people would say more um, that it's like, bloody hell, this is, this is torture um, because your back is against the wall and you're looking at no more of what we're saying about the squads, like the players that are being brought on um, yeah, and there's no, there's no uh, letting up from the likes of Dublin. That you know, if there's ten points, leave it at ten points. Like banging on, score after score, and then subs coming on to prove themselves. It's it's difficult, and so that's the build up after that is hard. Then again, like I never said lost interest. It make you appreciate the level that they're at, and um, Jesus, we thought we were at a good level, but. You'd love to play and then play another competitive game in quick succession to try and, you know, rectify whatever damage was done. Like, um, you know, no more than Premiership. Like, once the, that game is on a Saturday or Sunday and, you know, Liverpool beat someone 5-0, let's say, whoever it is, next week they're out in the game. So you've got to get up for it again. Um, whereas, I suppose, the way things are with the Leinster Championship and that, that... You're sitting dwelling on that loss for four, six, eight weeks sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's like it just gives you too much time to think about this and that. And that's, I suppose, that little transition period for, for the likes of Lanford, for players like, Jesus, is there any point? And a few lads drop off, and then you bring a few lads in. That can be extremely difficult. Mm. And what's the learnings in any of them games, Mick? Like, is it kind of. You know, like what do you take from some of them beatings against Dubs or? Yeah, look, you'd probably looking back on it now. Like I ended up being paired up with Kieran Kilkenny for that game, and like the the running side of things, like you know, just running is so hard to fatigue you. Like that was something that, and just he used to ran really hard into the full forward line and you had no other option to go with him. If another game from this, the play was slow enough, you might be able to organise it that, okay, full back, here you go, you swap over, you take him, I'll go with my man and stay out in your half-back position and trying to organise that as best you could. But he ran so hard and you're probably so out of breath that you had to go with him and the, the attacking football that they played they transitioned so quickly and um, that was something that you, you really had an appreciation for that. We're on the attack and you think, okay, I'm, I'm not in this attack. I can get my break and be well set up here. I'm out around the midfield area and we're heading into, um, into the, the Davin end and then all of a sudden there's a hand pass or a kick pass that's turned over and then you're like, oh, where's my man? And he's about two yards away from you and he's sprinting a full tilt into the full forward line and you have your back facing the ball to follow your man and it's just the movement is phenomenal and it would make you appreciate that the movement and work rate off the ball that was something um, that was massive and then probably you try and do it the other way to a player like Kieran Kilkenny but okay John whoever pick him up and you're after making a burst up the field, 
to try and get onto an attack, but they have that, that mindset to be able to switch or get someone to cover or even go with you or check your run. Um, probably the, the checking that runs is a big thing. Um, you know, not letting you get involved in play when normally you might be coming on to the end of the move and they're tracking that. But it, just even talking about it there, you're like, Jesus, there was some, some really good stuff in that game that I probably haven't actually looked back on and taken enough from it um, to, to actually develop and progress individually and then as a team. Are they the best you've ever played against? Yeah, like there's no point saying anything else. Like I remember um, we came into the dressing room. No, I don't know what year was it. Was it 15 we played? I think it was 15 we played them. And uh, Dermot Sheridan, or sorry, Dermot, Dermot Brady, getting mixed up with Damien Sheridan. Dermot Brady was cornerback. It was Mark and Bernard Brogan that day. Mm. And Dermot was getting on at this stage. He, he was 33, 30, something along those lines. And uh, his GPS, like for a full forward or a full back, um, the GPS, the total distance should be a lot lower. But his was through the roof, playing in a, in a cornerback position. And like he had marked Bernard Brogan. Bernard had done his 50 minutes stint. And then Kev Mack comes on for the last 20 minutes. Oh. And the 33 year old. And you're like, fuck. Like, and then you're like, oh, geez, your GPS. Like a cornerback, anytime you sit down, you wouldn't be looking solely at total distance. You're looking at high intensity runs and um, sprint speed, different bits and pieces. But usually, for a cornerback, their distance is, is low, but some of their sprints, they have a lot of high-intensity stuff. But his total distance was through the roof because he said Brogan never stopped moving. Then when Kev Mack came on, same thing, over, back, out, in. And like that's, that's when they have the ball. Like, you know, if you're, you're marking a man and you're just chasing shadows, like, um, it just, that's a different level. I'd be, I'd be faking injury in that situation. <laughs> well, a few might have. Someone might have picked up a handy black card or something. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, and we have to. It's so important. We have to not make this like a, love, a Dublin loving podcast. So we have to move on quickly. Yeah, let's. Yeah, let's make it a Liverpool one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Max wearing a United shirt there. Um, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Mickey, uh, I suppose I'll just ask you a, a touch on Australia then. You, you went over in August 2008, so I suppose how do you reflect on your time over is Essendon, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, loved it. Um, I'd love to go back and it's something that I've been planning on for years. Or This year I'd love to have made a burst and gone for a couple of weeks and just learn, probably learn as a, as a player, as a coach, um, as a team side of things and just the structure and setups that are in different clubs and I'm really keen to get back to to pick up different ideas and learn learn different things and um, but I really enjoyed it and probably it gave me attributes and skills that I still have and helped me develop them um, that whether it be with teaching or with um, with playing or, or coaching that um, picked up things from there that just little things like you kind of you forget what they are but you know when you when you actually start to talk about it and realize like some of the things early on when I came back was uh, one of the first things that I realized is when you go from a drill into the next drill it's like in water break this is what we're doing go like and there's no hanging around like and some of the guys end up picking the furthest cone away so if you know what the drill is run to the furthest cone and you're getting an extra 100 meter sprint in sprint to that cone you're at the front of the line like you can always see it like whatever is set up in a Gaelic session you look at the back of the line and you'll see the same fellas at the back of the line for every drill That's same at the front <laughs> <laughs> like and you'll see the one like there's some lads that have it to a T that they can uh, right lads we're doing this and if the cone is two meters away, they're standing at the closest cone. And there could be a line of 10 lads at that cone and one at the furthest one. Um, and you can pick them. But that was something that I picked up that 
do you know, you're getting an extra run in, in training, you're getting an extra sprint in, but you're still at the front of the cone as well. Um, so little things like that, um, you know, and, and just preparation and standards, getting to train on time and stuff like that. Would you have enjoyed the professional kind of lifestyle and the training every day? Yeah, loved it. Um, really loved it. Probably got, looking back on it, probably got too engrossed in, in the whole club side of things and didn't probably build up a, a network away from it. Um, as probably for the mental side of things, to, to kind of keep you um, having another outlet um, to keep the mind fresh. Um, like everything was was the club, even days off, you're maybe going for an ice bath or something like that, that you hadn't really enough of a, a network built up away to, to kind of keep you satisfied that probably here you have your, your football, but you have your family and friends around you. And mm-hmm. um, over there, you've such a small network um, when you go first that you kind of didn't really make it into a bigger network of, of people that you could spend time with away from the club and, and distance yourself from it in a sense. So loneliness, would, would, would you be like loneliness with something over there? Yeah, definitely. Um, probably in my second year, my granny passed away in January and flew home for that. And then when flying back out after something like that it was always hard. And then my two grandparents passed away in my third year. And when you're that far away from home and it really makes you appreciate having having that network around you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same um, coming home and not being able to, to spend time with those people. And I suppose that's probably what probably makes me understand what my why is for playing Gaelic football, that you have your family and friends so close to you and that enjoy the football. But when you walk away from the football in the evening or come home and you can talk about it or you can just put it aside and just you have that network there. Um, and that was probably one of the big challenges for me. And playing the game over there, uh, Mickey, like was it just so intense and hard hitting? Yeah, um, probably. It's it's funny. Like I always say, I was just naive to the whole thing and just, oh yeah, yeah, I'll go on a plane, I'll get in a plane, I'll go for a trial and. <laughs> I packed sun cream when I was heading over there in the middle of winter like I hadn't a clue like I was when I went over in that trial it was the middle of winter in Melbourne and I had the summer shorts packed and sun cream on like, <laughs> a holiday yeah and then the same when we flew back um, and signed signed the contract to to go over there that I was just naive to the whole thing and I just jumped in head first and I suppose that was probably one of the one of the best things about it and I think that's something that probably for young lads growing up now is is one of the big things that that naivety and willingness to just make mistakes and try things was probably my massive strength and um, which I probably didn't realize I probably got too caught up on the whole structures systems styles of play when there's a bounce ball here you need to be standing here this is your position you're supposed to be doing this, you have 90% uh, possession or nine possessions, you give three of them away, why do you give them away? And you get so caught up in, in that side of things. that, And I think that could be one of the positive things that might come out of uh, Gaelic football now when, when it starts back, or any sport for that matter, that people will be more willing to take risks and take chances. Like, no doubt everyone is going to get out and going to left rip with the first few balls they get um, and take a pot shot. Um, you know, I, I think the scoring percentages and shooting zones and all these things, they're great and 100%. Like, they're, they're a, massive, a massive part of it. But at the same time, the, I see it as there's players that will take risks and will win or lose you games. And then there's certain players that will just do their job and they'll they'll help those players and get to, get to that stage. Like I know a famous manager we had, he called them uh, pedigree horses and, and donkeys and the donkeys get the ball to the pedigree horses and they do, do the rest. Like, um, and it, it's true in a sense too, that like you're going to have your work, work horses on the team that will do the dirty stuff. Um, but like the prime example, you're Jeremy Conley. It's like no one wants Jeremy Conley to take this, the right option the whole time. They want Jim and Connie to let rip on the outside of the boot from the 
45 um, to do something different. And that's, that's where you go to games, to watch those kind of players, taking those risks and trying things. Um, everyone's not going to games to see, oh, that's the safe option. He done the right thing, playing it backwards there now. Um, you want to see someone try something. And last one for me, Mickey. Um, just for professionalism that's in GA at the minute, like, do you believe there should be a pay for players or what's your verdict on that? Uh, no, no, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's not doable. And I, I, don't, I don't think uh, it would take away from, from the game um, or the way things are. Like if, if, if you start to talk about pay for play, you're starting to talk about probably really there could only be eight teams playing at that level. Like you're not going to have any more than that that are able to pay for play or what structure you put on it. And there's too many ifs and buts and, and variables there. So um, it's just trying to, to keep a balance um, for all teams. And um, like that's, that's the big thing. Do you know, like if, if some teams are able to spend X amount on, on resources and, and management team and backroom team and, and everything that comes with it and other teams aren't in that position like of course the gap is going to get bigger um, like you see salary caps and stuff like that in different in different sports and you know that's that's an area where where you see the, the difference of money that's spent in different counties on different teams and, and look that's that's only the money side of things um, I think the big thing is when, when there's certain structures and, and things put in place in different counties, that goes, goes a long way and that are held. And I think Dublin are a testament to that, that they have great structures put in place for the last number of years and, and players and, and people are driving on that. Whereas you see the turnover of, of management and then when management goes in counties, the backroom team goes. Like you'd imagine S&C coaches, nutritionists, and logistics, all those different positions there behind management that the whole backroom team shouldn't be going as well, like because then you're starting from scratch again. Um, and that transition period, you know, one manager leaves, and now you're talking about another year with a new manager and, and taking longer to, to get back to where you are. You make two steps forward and one step back. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of counties can look into. And I think the likes of Cavan have done that with. Uh, employing a full-time S&C coach and stuff like that. And I think even Brian Cullen is head of high performance, isn't he, with Dublin or different positions like that to, to keep that transition from year to year. Yeah, so what you're saying is you have too much money and the teaching's paying well. <laughs> <laughs> is it that, No, you flip that around. Not enough money and teachers do nothing. Teachers, well, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey, actually, we'll leave it there. That was brilliant. Thanks very much for that. Not at all, lads. Thanks a mil. Mickey, cheers. Thanks very much. All the best, lads. Thanks for listening in. And don't forget that you can follow the Mick and Mac GAA football podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and we are on Spotify, as well as all other podcast platforms.